Please note that this episode contains discussions of sexual violence that some listeners may wish to skip. In this episode, Lizzie's piece discusses themes of sexual assault, but the only graphic discussion of violence is kept to the first 10 minutes of the podcast. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Invisible Disco Productions podcast Writer's Blog Party. We're hoping to share the work of emerging artists and breaking down the all-too-often-mysticized process of creating and developing art. I'm Dennis Blatt. And I'm Thea Thronson. And today we have the wonderful Lizzie Walther. Lizzie is an actress-slash-writer-slash-producer-slash-director based in New York City. She's set to graduate from NYU Tisch in the fall of 2020 with a BFA in drama. She studied at Playwrights Horizons Theatre School, Stone Street Studios, and the International Workshop in Amsterdam. Since moving from the rural Midwest to the big city, Lizzie has diligently created her own work and performed in multiple plays and musicals. She recently completed her first short film titled A Farmer's Daughter, an autobiographical coming-of-age story that of which she wrote, produced, and performed in. Her new film, Before We Die, is set to shoot this fall. Welcome, Lizzie! Hi, guys. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Today, you brought us a screenplay from your um, from the short film that you're working on right now, or is this yes. an upcoming thing? Yeah, so I have a few projects in the works. Um, I just got back to New York from uh, Indiana, and when I was there, I wrote uh, two new drafts of screenplays that I'm working on before we die is now locked and in um almost hitting production week uh but this yeah thank you that's so exciting (laughs) it is exciting I'm very excited about it this actually is from um a screenplay called indigo right now it's a short film but I could see it being like episodic or even a feature uh so yeah the premise of this is basically uh, exploring, all of my work is kind of exploring female relationships and female queerness that lies inherently in a female relationship. And I um, wrote this about sexual assault. So there is, there's a trigger warning um, in this as well, uh, especially in these first four pages, but this is the opening of that project. Excellent. Yeah, I can't wait to read this. So we'll read the first four pages, or like the first scene of this short film, and I'll read for Indigo, and Thea is going to read for D, and you'll read the screen directions, is that right? Yes. Perfect. Excellent. All right, let's go. All right. Okay. So this is Indigo. Um, Fade in. Exterior hill day. D, 17, dirty, numb, has seen shit, bikes up a sidewalk as cars zoom past her. As the hill gets steeper, she pedals harder. She is sweating and in physical pain. Memory flash. Her wrist forcefully being held against a wall by a man. Exterior, hill, continuous. She pedals harder and faster. Memory flash. Her fist clenches as she inhales sharply in pain. Exterior, hill, continuous. She tries to shake the memory out of her head and focus on the road. Memory flash. The man slaps a wad of crumpled bills into her hand. Continuous. She loses her footing and almost falls off the bike, but regains control, collects herself, and continues on her path. Exterior, under bridge, later. 
Dee pulls her bike under a gritty bypass bridge. There is trash scattered, a shopping cart filled with junk, a homeless person lying in a sleeping bag. She hides her bike behind a dumpster and checks her back, making sure no one has seen or followed her. She walks to a fire escape and starts to climb, still weary of eyes that could catch her. She reaches the top and takes one last look to make sure she is unnoticed before slipping through a window. Interior, hideout, moments later. She climbs into her home, a gritty bare room. She puts the money she made from her recent encounter into a large jar. She turns around, her body sore and bruised, to face Indigo, 17, dirty, creative, childlike, has a glow about her, who is sitting on the floor wearing a denim button-up painting with watercolors. She gives Dee a sad smile and jumps to her feet. What hurts? Indigo starts digging through a pile of belongings to get a makeshift first aid kit. My wrist. Sit. Dee walks over to Indigo, who has found the first aid kit and is sitting on her knees. Dee sits down next to her and offers her wrist. Indigo examines the bruise and recognizes that it is spring. The brightness from her eyes dim as she starts to wrap Dee's wrist in a strip of a t-shirt. We need ice. It's okay, I'm fine. It really doesn't hurt that bad. Indigo gives Dee a knowing look, but doesn't push. She finishes wrapping and puts on a goofy doctor persona to try to cheer her up. She pats Dee's wrapped wrist. You're good to go, sport. Wait! Indigo's taken aback, thinking Dee's hurt. What? Where's my sticker? Indigo lights up, playing along. How could I forget? Indigo grabs her paint palette and brush and sits back down. Dee sticks her uninjured hand in Indigo's direction. Indigo paints a sun. Now you're good to go. Dee looks at her hand, admiring her sticker. The playful tone disappears and all of Dee's pain floods back to her body. She lets herself feel it only for a second. Indigo tries to pretend she can't tell. After a beat, Indigo breaks the silence with a wide smile. Dee notices out of the corner of her eye and snaps out of the pain. What? I made you something. Close your eyes. Dee smiles and rolls her eyes, but then closes them. Indigo runs over to where she was painting and grabs what she was working on. She starts to head back to Dee, but then has an idea. She clumsily runs back to her paint. Indigo signs a D, letter D, in the bottom corner and then sits down in front of Dee. Dee smirks at the noise of all this commotion. Indigo gently places the painting in between them and holds her hands in anticipation. Okay, open. Dee opens her eyes and picks up a childlike painting of an Arizona desert sunset. She's silent. Indigo waits for her to say anything. I thought we could hang it by the money jar so it's not so sad. It's not sad. That jar is the only way we're getting out of here. Dee stands up and tacks the painting above the money jar. She steps back and stares at it in admiration. It's perfect, Indigo. Thank you. Indigo stands and joins Dee in front of the painting. You really think so? Yeah, I really think so. Indigo leans her head on Dee's shoulder. They look at the painting as if they are really there. They are content. That is it for now. Yay! Yes! So good. So lovely. Thank you. You guys did a great job of reading the characters. Wow! (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. When I was kind of... Okay, I don't know... I don't remember if we ever discussed me reading for Indigo and Thea reading for D. I just was like, did we ever say that or no? Did, am I making these up as we go? No, but I loved that you took charge. That was great. <laughs> I was like, I could, sexy. I could promise you someone <laughs> said that you're reading for Indigo, but I probably am making things up. <laughs> it was you in your own head telling you. And you were right. It was great. It worked out well. 
the casting uh, of it, I was like, this is perfect. It was great. Well, it was just written so well, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it really was. The The dialogue was really easy, and and the, like, the world you built was, like, very easy to see. Oh, amazing. Was, like, the biking, mm-hmm. I just finished Euphoria. I was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> Did you yeah. write this recently? Um... No, I actually wrote Before We Die um, after Indigo. So I Indigo was like a um, project that kind of, like, I, I had the idea and I was like literally brushing my teeth. And then the next day I wrote it. And then it's one of those things where I kind of let it go. And now I'm visiting it again um, because this other project had come up. So I wrote it. Uh, I would want to say, like, it's been written for, like, two months. So I guess it's pretty recent, but for a short film, 17 pages, like, nothing, yeah. And where did this piece specifically come from? Were you brushing your teeth, literally? Yeah, I'm not even kidding. Uh, Well, so, so, okay, so I have Don't you love it when that happens? (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, I, no, so I had had this idea, I guess to go back a little bit, Um, when I was in Stone Street, all the teachers would always tell us to create our own material. And I was kind of like, yeah, um, you know, F you because you don't understand. Like, it's really expensive. It's hard to find this material. I'm an actor. Like, I need people to give me jobs. And then when I got home from quarantine, I luckily met, um, my childhood friend's fiance, now fiance, and he is a cinematographer, has a lot of equipment, and we just kind of created this, like, beautiful team of people, and so I was able to start making my own work. So it started with an autobiography piece, which then gave me the confidence to lean into this non-fictional world. And I started getting really excited to write screenplays. So I was, I knew I was less interested in telling my actual literal story in everything that I did, but I always know that there's going to be a part of my story in everything I write. So I think it was a mixture of the fact that I had just written and starred in my own life autobiographical short story film short film and then also the mix of like I know I want to make a story with um queerness and with a bit more like grit around women and break down some beauty standards and then I just had this idea and I was really happy with it instantly um so yeah this is the first draft and I really don't even want to touch it is how I feel about this piece which is weird because I've not ever experienced that, so. Yeah, that's so exciting, though, when it's, like, just, like, hits you full force, and it's, like, well, this is what it is, and I know what it is, and it's clear to me, and here we go. Yeah, it was really that's one of those awesome. disgusting moments where I was, like, brushing my teeth, and then I, I was, like, oh, my God, and I spit it out, and I went <laughs> to my notebook, yeah, and I wrote it yes. all down, and I, I thought, God, this this is it, like, all these different details, and I found it along the way of, like, just scribbling in this notebook, and I think that might be why it is so precious to me, this one of all things, because I just came up with it like right as I was sitting down in one one little sitting. So one go. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. So that that's you said that was like an unusual way for you to come about a piece of writing. Well, so I have um, 
basically my best friend that I met my first year of NYU has kind of become my creative partner. We do a lot of different things together. And so most of our projects are shared. And by the end of it, we've really co-created the entire thing together, uh, which is beautiful. It's a, it's a lovely support system. It's a good way of creating, I found. Uh, but this was more individual, and I think it was less of, like, two people coming together saying, hey, let's make a project. And it was more like these are, to me, um, getting really deep here for a second, Indigo and D are the two ugliest sides of me. Like, they're the two sides of me completely separated and turned up to a, a thousand. And nobody could have helped me write that except for myself. So I guess... Like, that's what makes this one unique to me from my journey so far in screenwriting and um, creating my own my own stuff. It, it isn't really um, a partnership, per se. But I did work alongside my friend whose fiancé is the cinematographer that I work with. And uh, both of us have experienced some form of sexual assault slash trauma. And so even writing with her and bringing these two characters to life, it's sort of just the, the pieces connected in a really beautiful way. So, yeah. I was going to say that it's like so nice that you touched upon how uh, Dee and Indigo are like these two sides to you because the entire time I was reading this, someone at, I, remi- I got reminded of how someone once told me in order to write a good screenplay or a good play, you need... To, to create a contrast. And I think Indigo and Dee are like so contrasting, but at the same time, they're like so together, like the contrast brought them together. And I was gonna ask about that, now I know. Yeah, and there's a twist at the end. Um, it It is very much leaning into um, like the world of thriller, psychosis, like a bit more uh, than what we might have just experienced in those first couple of pages. But that's really amazing feedback to hear based on how it ends. So something that I, I mean, I do know know this about you, but you know, some of us are like actors and we do write a little bit on the side, but you are, you also heavily identify with being a writer with all the artistry that you practice. Do you ever feel like you lean more towards one than the other or? You know, I think that if you are a multi-hyphenated artist and you are interested in multiple fields, it's really, really good to make a project from start to finish that you're involved in every aspect of because it's taught me exactly what I want to do and exactly what I don't want to do. Um, And so I know that to me, acting is my heart and soul there's just something about it that I I fall in love with over and over and over again I can do it the rest of my life and it will just always be there I think writing is very similar um I also think that it is completely uh doable to write and act in everything that I make because I just think that they're two separate processes uh, and I don't I don't agree that you can like act and write and direct in every single thing that you do because uh, when I'm on set or when I'm acting, I want to be able to be an actor. But like even this new project that I'm doing, I'm learning that I, I have written, even the characters that I have written, I still am learning about. I still don't know everything there is to know about them, which is really beautiful. So I see myself more as an actor, I guess, but 
I will always be a writer. I think I've been a writer since I was little. Uh, it's just kind of, I think they're both just equal parts of me. I find it difficult personally to act something that I've written. Um, because I think similarly to what you said before, I, I write things that are like very focused on one facet of like my life or my life in that moment and then kind of turn it up and go kind of tangential to my life. But I think it's really interesting that you brought up that you like to learn about the characters you've already written as an actor. Like that's, that's such an exciting dynamic process to me. Can you like, would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, that's so interesting that you say that, I think, because I, so Before We Die is essentially about two girls in the middle of a pandemic, the world is ending, and they're surviving on a rooftop together, um, and they know they don't have much longer, and so they're trying to complete this bucket list of things they want to do before they die. Um, And to me, I think having an actual director has helped me in a lot of ways because I've been able to be absorbed into that character. I've been able to set my screenplay and then start going deep into it in a character way. I'm not sure, I mean, the beautiful thing about making work with people that are young, that aren't looking to get money, that are like just willing to eat up anything and want to just create, is that they are okay with changing stuff. Like I, my poor, poor director, um, I love her to death. I've done a lot of plays with her and I, I was like, you have to do this. You're, you're gonna like not, I mean, you're gonna love it but just because of the themes and what it's playing on. I knew that she would dig it. So I told her that she had to direct it and she got her whole storyboard completed. Um, and then that night I stayed up until five in the morning and I had to text her and I was like, before we rehearse, can we please meet at this coffee shop so that we can talk as writers before we move to rehearsal as actor director, because I've changed 10 things. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I changed it. I need you to just take it because I promise it's going to make it better. And she immediately, I was so nervous and she's like, yes, please let's meet. Let's, let's go over it. Let's cancel out the storyboard. Don't care that I've sketched it. It doesn't matter. Like let's meet and talk about it. And then she read through it and she was like, Lizzie, this, like, this is so much better. It's clearer. It's more, you know, it's just here. And I was like, awesome. And then that allows me to be free when I go into, I'm not worrying about like what, how could this be better in a writer standpoint? I'm more like, I've already done that part. So I think if you divide them and you put boundaries between them, I would never try to be a writer in the space that I'm trying to act. Does that make sense? So I try to divide, I think if I can divide those things, I'm able to live more fully as the character. And for me, just character work is like what I just think all of it's so yummy. So I'm like, I want to, I don't want to, I want to be able to do every part of it. And I want to get really like, deep and gritty into those characters and I want to act it and I think no matter what it's always going to be hard for me if I'm 35 and writing characters that are still my 17 self I'm obviously not going to play those characters but there's going to be something in me that I'm like when I'm casting this I need somebody who shows some kind of essence of myself actually this happened to me in in a farmer's daughter I had to cast a young actress to play myself and there was someone that was like I thought this was it this was the look this girl looked exactly like me and I saw 
had the I had both of the young actresses, the last two, send me videos. And it was in the videos that I was like, actually, it's the one I didn't expect because I could see myself in her. And I was okay with giving her my story. I thought she would take care of it, even though she's seven. Like, that's right, insane, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's, it's so interesting because as a writer, there's a different type of generosity than there is when you're an actor. And, like, trusting someone to take your work and do with it what you want is such a different type of trust than being in a scene with someone and trusting them to take care of you and then to let you take care of them. And it's such a... I like what you said about just, like, letting the divide exist. Um... And, like, really just, like, going fully as writer as long as you need to and not rushing that so that then when you go into the space of actor, it's, like, I can, like, this has been validated. Like, I have validated this. Other people have validated this. I can allow it to be. Yeah. I Well, it took rehearsing to understand that the writing needed changed. Interesting. So Very interesting. To me... This before we die was co-written um with my writing partner and we were doing it all while I was in the middle of Montana with no service hiking. And so I love that. yeah. So she wrote the first scene and then I stayed up one night because I don't know if you guys can tell or not, but the way I write is like all in one sitting. So I stayed up until like four in the morning and finished the whole thing out and sent it to her. And I think there was a disconnect be- this time around in our writing because there was such a distance. There was no service. We couldn't talk. We we already had a team before we even had the um, script finalized. So we had the synopsis, but we didn't have the actual meat and the like. The you know we needed to flush it out, um, and it took the acting to teach me that like this doesn't feel right acting wise. It doesn't feel right when I'm like it really helps you learn how to trust yourself, and I think. For then when when you go to act in what I hope for all of us young actors, um, getting like Riverdale auditions and auditions for things that are going to give us money and, you know, put, you know, pay the bills and put food on the table. Uh, I hope we freaking get that. I mean, please, God, please. Um, But when we do that, like, we're going to be able to trust ourselves in the fact of like, this isn't great writing. How can I make it better? Or like, this is, it's okay that they have millions of dollars to produce this and it's not good. Like, I think that that gives us power. Like, it just is empowering to me. So, yeah. How much of um, the writing is planned out um, when you're working with a writing partner? Do you just like, see where it goes? Um, You just open up writer's web and be like, let's see what, let's see what they wrote here. I think you get lucky first. Um, my friend and I, we, like, basically it was love at first sight when we first met, and then we lived together, and then we took a, a acting class outside of NYU together, where we worked diligently on a two-person scene for six weeks. Um, we've spent a lot of time in different places together, and we work with the same intensity, but like I am very type A kind of let's, you know, perfectionist, let's get this down. Whereas she's more type B floaty. Um, and when before we die is released, you guys will be able to see because we're actually both acting in that. So yeah, that this is our first 
written and we're acting in it. Normally, I will act and she will direct. So that's always nice too because um, I like directing, but she's more director. I'm more actor at this point in our journeys. Uh, but this one we wrote for ourselves to act in. Uh, and really what we do is we're like, hey, do you want to make a project? Hey, yeah, awesome. Let's do it. We always think that it's going to be smaller than it actually ends up being. So we're like, we start with, oh, well, we'll have a little bit of time. Let's do a small video. We can do it on our iPhone. And then before we know it, we have like cinematographers and a full crew and a director. And we have a 15 page screenplay that's now turned into 20 pages. Like there's all these crazy things. And it honestly just happens. It just happens. Like it's kind of crazy. I was talking to her the other day. Uh, this project that we're about to start we we structured it about a month ago in two voice messages and a FaceTime call that happened while I was in the bathtub. Like we I was washing my hair and we were like, okay, so yeah, like what can we do about, you know, this character, this character, here's the names. It just, for us, it happens organically, which I'm very lucky and blessed to be a part of. So I'm very thankful for her. Her name's Audrey Lane. Um, we write almost everything that we've done so far together and we're just go-getters. Like I, I think there is no planning. There is no thing. We have learned that we would like to workshop our pieces a bit more before we like put them up and running, especially as they get bigger and the characters get more fleshed out. But yeah, they kind of just come out. That's such a unique relationship, co-writers of something, especially if you have like a like elongated relationship beyond just one project. That's so cool. I love that for you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's just, it's new. It's a new thing because we just did it in quarantine and it was really, we didn't know it was going to end up this way, but I would not be surprised if someone would have told me that it would have, that we would have been writing partners and creating these things three and a half years ago when we first met. Previously, when you were talking about how you got this idea when you were brushing your teeth and then you ran to grab, grab um, a paper and a pen, does that happen to you often? Like, do you write physically with your hand with a paper yes. before opening any doc, anything? Isn't yes. that so, like, I think when I write with my, like, literal physical hand on a physical paper, that's when I start getting, like, a flood of ideas, and it's really hard to write a screenplay like this, so I just write it in prose and then, and then figure it out later. I was wondering how it is for you. Yeah, no, I love, well, I love journaling. Um, I, I just, like I said, I'm very type A. I like things in order. I have anxiety all the time. Um, and I think journaling has always been a way that's kind of helped me feel clearer. So I have like probably 17 notebooks just laying around my apartment. I also hate mixing and matching. So I have a notebook that's just solely for projects. So I have, it's taken, when I think about it from afar, it's taken a few goes at two female characters to find Indigo and Dee and to find um, Teddy and Dylan, who are the characters in Before We Die. And I like to do detailed character descriptions by hand and write those out if I know them first. Um, dialogue is usually like the last thing that I that I do. Um, I love screen directions. I'm a screen direction whore, if I can say that on this podcast. Like, that is truly, like... We've kind of been saying anything. <laughs> okay. 
fuck yeah. I just love it. I mean, and I, <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. I've been trying to figure out like what it is, but yeah, I love the detail in it. I love that I can I can try to make my world as detailed as possible so that whoever is on the other side of that can create exactly what I'm seeing, you know? And I'm getting better at that. Um, which is one surprising thing. That's so clear in this this what we just read. It's so clear to me. I wouldn't have guessed that you write dialogue last, um, but I think it, it makes perfect sense that the screen directions are like what you crave and what you write and what you enjoy because it's so juicy and it's so like singular, if that's the right word. Very well, I maybe that's also the part of me that loves to be an actor. It's like I set up this world of imagination for myself and then I think the dialogue, you don't actually realize how f- how much we as humans say in such few words. Um, in screenplays, you don't even understand, like you start typing and it's just too much. It's like, no, the actor is going to have to understand that this is what this character is going through right now. And if I set the world up, I know I can I can do it like I can be there as that actor and our, me and my scene partner are going to be just fine um, but it's about like setting the world up to play in more than exposition like show and don't tell you know it's that that thing so a farmer's daughter which is a short movie that you worked on this summer um, you say you worked with basically a child actor um, how how young are they um, she is seven Okay, I love children. Everybody knows that I love children, but like because I love them, I feel like for the life of me, I cannot tell them like what to do. <laughs> you know, they'll just do what they want. Um, <laughs> no, this this child, her name's Anna Grace, and she is an absolute angel doll. Just the sweetest human, has the best mom. Um, you know, I think things that are just meant to happen, happen. And I reached out to my community theater that I grew up in, and I was like, is there anyone that could possibly play a younger me? I made a little poster, had them put it on Facebook, and I got tons of responses from kids of all ages. Right, and in the middle of Indiana, I had no idea. I thought I would maybe get one. I, I was trying to beg my cousins who were way too old and didn't want to do it to do this project. And without Anna Grace, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like, she was so good at simply just doing anything. Like, I'd say, hey, Anna Grace, like, I, when I was little, I used to play up in this barn. And um, can you just play and do this and this and this, but then just do whatever else you want? And so she would hit her marks. And she didn't even know she was hitting her marks. Um, She also... You know, we'd, we'd just tell her what to do. We'd say, hey, we're going to roll the camera, and if you can just come outside, put your boots on, look up at the sky, put your clip in, and then walk away. And she was like, okay. And she would just do it. Um, she loved my dog, so that became a part of the piece. Like, we, she came over to my house one day to do some costume stuff, and she said she had learned the script from her mom reading it to her. And she was like, can I see the pigs? Can I see the dog? Can I see the the barn that I'm going to play in? And so we went outside and I swear like so many of the ideas of that film came from just watching her play and being like, this is what I would do. It's true to me. And she obviously can already do it. So let's just let her. I think working toward the grain with child actors is like 
the best way to go about it. But also, she was a natural and incredible. And her and her mom deserve, like, all the credit in the world. Because her mom was also just, like, the best. We were we were doing this scene where she was up in the, this barn that I had played in as a child. And it was kind of like my fairy house that I had created myself. And she was so scared of heights. I was like, can you please dangle your legs over the top? She's like, yeah, I'll do it. And then she got a splinter in her bum. And her mom, like, was such a trooper. Wasn't mad. Like, was so kind. We, like... I mean, it was just, she sat there all day, the mom, and just, if we said, hey, can you go around the corner, she would. So, she's, she could honestly, like, be a child actor very easily, I think. So, I don't know. I feel very blessed to have had the universe be like, pick this child. Um, but she's so cute. It's so nice in, an, like, an autobiographical thing, too, when you're writing for someone, or a, a younger version of you, to, like, have that muse of, like, literal childhood to just be like oh my god yeah I did do that <laughs> right children are like this mm. that's so smart mm. wow yeah it was an accident it was a complete accident that she was even in it um I, yeah I think just going home and trying to connect to the place that I grew up at and trying to you know come to terms with I guess my past and my trauma with being from where I am from it was it was very childlike so when I look back on it it's not really surprising that I needed that younger version of me to be the person showing everyone what I I, I did so yeah it, it made it makes sense but I didn't I had no clue what was happening when I was writing it I was like shit like I'm gonna need a kid like at first I thought it was just gonna be me and that's easy but I was like I need actors An actual kid that's crazy rural Indiana is where you're from I'm from Iowa <laughs> nice I yeah. can't imagine we don't we it, our, my town is so small we don't we don't even have a community theater but that's so exciting that there's just like people coming out of the woodwork like yes me well my town I trust me I live on a farm <laughs> I don't I my community theater is a gym like a literal gem from where I'm from and I yeah I didn't I like I said I didn't think I would have any response um but there are people that want to do fun things there are people that want to work rarely do you see a film any kind so even I think those parents and the kids they were excited yeah which was awesome to see that's so fun and it's like what you said way earlier but you were talking about like working with young people who are like just excited to be in the room and creating and like sharing that synergy like that's such an exciting like state of creation and not being so caught up in like the logistics of it necessarily not that we shouldn't know what we deserve as artists but it's also so nice to just be like this is happening and it's happening really fast and it's exciting it's fun it's what we should be doing when we're, like well it's what I want to be doing when I'm young and an right. artist that has and no able to do it yeah right like we have the time and and I promise like to anyone that you have the resources you just have to really fight for them like you have to not be afraid to ask for what you want and you gotta 
you know, it, it, sometimes you get told absolutely not, but that you normally, like my, I always say rejection is protection. If somebody doesn't want to work with you, if somebody doesn't want to do it, it's because they're, the universe is like leading you toward someone or something that does or, or will be even better. So yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? Like, it's fun. Make your own stuff. And you don't get pigeonholed. That's what I'm learning, too, about, like, right now, I know, I know my type. I've been told very bluntly at Stone Street what my type is. Like, I know the characters that I'm going to get called in the room for. Right now, I'm writing characters that I want to play and people that I think are worth, like, spending time on screen with. So there's also that. Like, I might not be getting paid for it, but I am going to be able to tell people exactly what kind of actress I am, um, not just my headshot. Yeah. And not ju- not only that, but, like, to change the idea of typecasting in this industry is, like, something that is constantly on my radar. Um, and I think making your own work is such a simple way to just kind of, like, check your own biases and check your own assumptions and, like, really just let what happens happen and not worry about, like, the the optics of it. Like, it's so easy to do when you're in a room that you're not really, like, the main voice in. I 100% agree. And it's important, too, to find the balance of when do I use my voice slash when when is it time to like let other people hold my work and and when do I share this baby you know uh that's what I'm learning now with this other piece a farmer's daughter me and Audrey my writing partner did everything on together and that's why we don't even say writing partners we really we we say we call each other creative partners because we made that entire thing um and now it's like a delicious excitement and gift that people care so much about something that we've written that they actually see what we see and they want to make it the best and they have really, really good intentions to the point where they want to tell us, like, be actors. We've got it. We've got you. And I think that's a good place to start rather than, for me, a year ago, all literally, actually, a year ago, all I was worried about was um, getting an agent and making it and I thought that like that if getting an agent was me making it and then I would get an audition and then I would just need one person to believe in me I feel like now I've put my entire career in my own hands like I I think after this you know knock on wood I hope that there will be representation that are like we need to represent her not like I need them you know and I think creating your own material is the easiest quickest way to do that but it's hard. I cried. I cried. I stayed up all night. Like me and my friend. I mean, the editing was even hard. We edited it all. We had no idea how to do that stuff. But you learn so much. And everybody, I did see this movie and it is like a real short film. Like it is real. It's not like an iPhone movie. And there's nothing wrong with an iPhone movie. I love iPhone movies, but it's a real, real Where film. can we find it? Can we so find real. it? You cannot. We can't. So, okay. Um, Sorry, listeners. You can't find it. <laughs> but one day you will be able to. So right now, and I'm learning this too. Um, right now it's in the film festival circuit. So I can't, I can't publicly release it, 
but it is close because I have to right now I'm it's literally out of my hands it's completely finished um it's just like getting figuring out what festivals it gets entered into if any and like what yeah all of that fun stuff so but as far as like the public goes and stuff that will all happen um in due time with the film festivals yeah and you said that you write in one sitting which makes me question writer's block like do you just get this inspiration and just write it write it write it and you know how do you deal with writer's block when that happens yeah I think I don't know the projects that I've had that I've loved I think you've just got to be doing stuff that you love I I have um written a memoir of autobiography which is where this short film stems from and I did that in an NYU class with Laura Levine's autobiography and in that class I did experience writer's block and I think just fine I don't know I go back to the truth and I go back to like what makes me cry and I sometimes I'll write a letter to myself or I'll write a letter I'll like interrupt my my thought and I'll write a letter either to myself or to my mom so like I've done that in both in that class and just like in general um to try to like clear up some of the stuff that like I don't know what writer's block even is um like if it's insecurity or if it's like it's a constant state of mind yeah like what is it like is it because you get scared like what causes writer's block so I think when I'm writing things I really love that I want to finish or when I'm writing and um I already have a, a full team assembled ready and waiting for the script and they give me a deadline that also makes a girl you know really go and get that script but but no I I don't for for these smaller projects like I'm sure that I I'm sure when I I'm already kind of like feature like let me write bigger longer things to have more space and more time but you can't do that without a budget so as I write these shorter things it's kind of like I like that they have a beginning middle and end and I like finding that and I haven't really hit a wall yet um so that I mean I guess I'm lucky from for that but I don't know what I do when I get writer's block I watch reality tv for me, it's less of writer's block and more of like, you think you have the script and then something, one thing drops and you're like, oh, but now it could be this. And then you kind of like switch it around and, and find the puzzle, at least for these short films. Yeah. I love that you framed it as now it could be this rather than like, damn it, that's not it. Like there's such a, like, it's so easy to get like down on yourself and be like why did I do all that work if it's not that but like to frame it differently and to be like but it could be that's like the potential of that mm, love that it's what we do we're artists we don't like and also like I said there's been many nights where I stay up and I cry and I can't edit and I don't know how to use Adobe Premiere and I don't know what equipment's names are and I don't get the co but I know I, I can see it in my head and I know that it's there. And I also know that like there are some people that aren't doing this. So maybe my script, you know, there was a flaw in it or whatever. But hey, like I had to see that and do that to even to understand. Get yeah. Yes, exactly. So it's 100%. never, never a negative thing. Only exciting. Only like, oh my gosh, it gets to be better, you know? Any projects coming up? <laughs> Before we die, we're filming from... September 8th through the 13th. I just got the schedule of that. And then um, Indigo 
I'm really trying to get that, really trying to pitch that to some bigger directors um, and hoping that they'll come to my hometown to direct that and make that. Uh, if any of them are listen to, listening to this, it looks like a really nice place to shoot a movie. Yeah, it's, it, I'm hoping, it kind of is like a dark ladybird is what I'm hoping for Indigo. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, like, I just am kind of taking it one project at a time. And, you know, I, Instagram, Lizzie, L-I-Z-Z-Y underscore Walther with a T-H. Um, thank you so much for chatting with us. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Invisible Disco Productions. And we'll see you later. Writer's Block Party was created by Invisible Disco Productions. It's produced by Amelia Annan, Dana Bulat, Lauren Montes, and Thea Thompson. And is edited by Noah Friend. If you enjoyed this, check us out at IDP Presents WBP on Twitter and at Invisible Disco Productions on Instagram and Patreon. Thanks and have a great week. Bye.